0: This is the HuffPost Love and Sex Podcast.
1: Each episode, we ask a single question. Then we look to experts and listeners like you for the answers.
0: This episode contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution.
1: I'm Noah Michelson.
0: And I'm Karina
1: Kolodny. This week's question is, well, actually, we have a lot of questions.
0: That is, Correct. We love receiving emails from our listeners, as you know, so on this episode, we've gathered some of your most pressing questions to answer with the help of our favorite sex expert.
2: Hi, I'm Dr. Jana Vrangalova. I'm a sex researcher and professor of human sexuality at New York University.
1: Thank you for joining us. We always love to have you here. Likewise. And we have great questions from our listeners who sent us all of their problems and queries. So we're just going to start. I'll read the first one and we'll go from there. Excellent. Uh, I'm a 22-year-old gay guy, and I have just been offered the chance to be in a porn film. I've always been very confident about my body and my sexual abilities, and I think it would be fun, but I'm worried about my reputation and how this could affect my life now and in the future. Will being in porn ruin my chances of getting a job or even getting a boyfriend? Should I do it? (laughs) Wow. Well, I don't
2: think we can tell you whether you should do it or not. That's a decision you're going to have to make for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But there are certain things to consider, right? So will it ruin your chances of getting a job? That depends on what kind of job you want. Yeah. Certain jobs, most definitely.
1: If you want to work for Goldman Sachs, you know. Yeah, if they someone might... found
2: out about staring, starring in a porn film, probably not um, the best idea. Right. Uh, if you want to run for office, someone's going to find that, dig it out, and hold it against you. Probably. Mm-hmm. Though I don't know. I mean, things have been changing. So right. it is becoming more acceptable to do that. And particularly in the gay world, I feel like it's a little less um, of a stigma. But probably there are still a lot of jobs that you, if if it got out, it might— you
0: i also want to say i think we're probably the three worst people in the world to weigh right. in on this because we'd probably all get like career advances by being in porn right. films they'd be like oh do a real you know like that would in so- some way make us more valuable yeah. so i'm not sure
2: nyu would appreciate <laughs> me
0: but you're professor of sexuality so you know really true but still on the ground research <laughs> dr <Yeah>. jana <laughs> I don't know about that.
1: I do think, yeah, again, we can't make the decision for you, but I do think that it can have a lot of consequences that maybe people don't think about. They think in the moment it's fun. I'm going to make a couple thousand dollars maybe if you're lucky, and this could be great. But I think we've seen a lot of instances where it comes back to bite people, and they think – True. You know. I mean, it,
2: it, which is why I think it's very important to think about what you want to do with your life yeah. at this point. There are many professions that these days, you know, you could totally live your life without ever being harmed by that mm-hmm. one appearance. in a, you know, if you're any kind of freelance artist, writer, photographer, you know, yeah. anything like that, that will probably not not uh, matter. If you're, I mean, again, I, I don't know what kind of jobs this person has as an option, but yeah, there. You're you're a stylist. You're, you know, I don't know, so many things. Journalist, Mm -hmm. right? Probably wouldn't matter. So it really depends. And then with the boyfriend, well, what kind of boyfriend do you want?
1: Yeah.
2: I think if you're the kind of person who is considering and you think you might enjoy being in a porn film, then I think you should be looking for a boyfriend who's cool with that and probably not just cool, but who thinks that's really awesome, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Date your own species, right?
1: I love that. <laughs> Is that a bumper sticker yet? It should be. It should be.
2: And and I don't. I can't take credit for it. It's uh, Reid halka's um, uh, sort of slogan and, so and and workshop and yeah. Date your own species.
0: On to our next question: Is there anything I can do to make my nipples more sensitive? Mine don't seem to have much feeling, and I'm jealous of people who do have very sensitive nipples. Would it help if I got them pierced? Are there any vitamins I can take?
2: Oh. I'm not aware of any vitamins that no. will make your nipples more and sensitive. Whole
0: Foods vitamin aisle goes on and <laughs> on, so you right. might find something there. Right. I wonder if
2: any of those say more sensitive nipples. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think side so. side effects, maybe.
1: <laughs> right. What about piercing?
2: Yeah, so piercing is interesting. I don't think there's a lot of research on that, but certainly anecdotal evidence, uh, some people say it has made their, you know, clitoris or nipples more sensitive. Interesting. But not everyone. I also know people who it didn't do anything in terms of sensitivity for. So I think it might be a worthy um, experiment to do and just try it and— if it doesn't it doesn't have the desired effect, you can always take off the uh, any and you don't like the piercing you can take them off. but so it, that might help. but I also want to say if your body doesn't work that way, it's totally cool. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of other parts of your body that do you know get aroused and are sensitive and so focus on those. We're all different. There's no one rule that says everyone's nipples have to be sensitive. There's a lot of people who don't really enjoy having their nipples stimulated, and they're having amazing, fabulous sex.
1: Totally. Now, you guys, our next question has a lot of nuance to it. The listener writes, I'm a kinky girl, and I'm not shy about having sex with someone if I have a past with them. But recently, I found that after a couple of hookups, they will ghost on me. Some of them I considered friends, and despite that, I thought our sex was bomb enough to keep hooking up. Even though I'm not asking for a relationship between anyone, I would still like to have a consistent sexual partner. So how do I get my cake and eat it too? And what am I doing wrong with the men who suddenly ghost on me? The listener also states that she's worried guys fade away because she's too kinky. And quote, therefore too slutty and risky to form something consistent with. At the same time, she's worried she's too engaged. And it makes guys think that she wants more than a sexual friendship.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, there's... There's a lot going on here, and uh, without exactly knowing who the people are that she's been hooking up with and she's had these experiences with, it's kind of difficult to know exactly what is going on there. But is it possible that uh, she's too kinky or slutty or too engaged and passionate, and that's why they freak freak out? Possible, Mm -hmm. I suppose. But um, it's also, I would say... Again, date your own species, right? So don't try—if if you're particularly kinky, then probably trying to hook up with vanilla guys um, who might feel overwhelmed or kind of turned off by that level of, of kinkiness is not the way to go. I would say find a more you know kink-friendly and sex-positive community where— that, that level of slugginess or kink will be celebrated rather than something to tolerate at best or avoid at worst. I would say also maybe negotiate those kinds of things ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So be kind of upfront about the fact that y- you're fine with casual sex, but you are looking for something that is you know somewhat, somewhat consistent um, and look for people who are interested in that. It's not going to prevent people all of a sudden, you know, saying yes and then, you know, going ghost on her. But I think it might to some extent.
1: It seems to me, you guys, like we are in a weird time now, though, where people don't exactly know how these sort of relationships can work. Because we've seen like, you know, moving away from just you have to be in a relationship to have sex. Now you can have more casual sex. But I think a lot of people haven't maybe mentally made that leap. And so they get into these situations where, like, yeah, I just want to have casual sex. And then it happens, and they think either, no, I don't, I just, this is a one-night affair, or maybe I really like this person and I want them to be my girlfriend or boyfriend or partner or whatever. And so, like, I think it's just that weird in-between ground where maybe even if this listener is there and she's ready for it and she knows what she wants, not everyone that she's playing with Mm -hmm. is on the same field, you know?
2: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I think a lot of people have that either or. It's either a one night stand, like very, very casual and often kind of detached, not very passionate. So when she says I'm too engaged, maybe that's what she means, right? That she puts in a lot of kind of, you know, passion and intimacy in the sexual encounter, even if it's fairly casual. But a lot of people are not capable of having this intimate and passionate and and sort of, uh, you know, uh, engaged, casual sex that, goes on for more than once or twice. So absolutely, that's that's another option, which is why I think finding a more sex-positive community that celebrates these types of casual intimacies that are not either-or is probably the way to go for her. So yes, you can totally have your cake and eat it too. You just have to find the right people.
1: Yeah, find right the right cake. cake. The, right,
2: <laughs> the right cake, exactly.
0: Our next question is, I consider myself first, but for the last four years, I've been a total bottom because my boyfriend is a total top. For my birthday last month, I convinced him to try switching. We didn't get very far because my boyfriend didn't like it, but I really want to top more. He says it hurts and it's just not his thing, but I think if we kept trying, he could warm up to it. I don't want to be just a bottom forever, but we also don't want to open up our relationship. What should we do?
1: So hard. rock in a hard place. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) Um, that's tough. I definitely have met guys before. I feel like less and less now. It's strictly top, strictly bottom. But I definitely know guys who are strictly top or strictly bottom, and they don't want to do the other position. And that can be really hard to date them. Um, <laughs> I don't really know what to tell this person.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I mean, that is the same as any other. You know, sexual interests that one partner might have that the other per- person doesn't share, and then there are a couple of options. Either you know, the 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 person who's not into it gets somehow convinced to do it. The person who's into it suppresses their need to do it, or they open it up, and um, and you know, that the person who's into it gets to satisfy those needs elsewhere in a different way. I don't know if this particular top will ever get into um, switching or bottoming the way uh, our our listener thinks that they might. I mean, it's certainly something that you can discuss. Mm -hmm. You know, people's preferences are not always set in stone. Some people's are, but some people have a fair amount of fluidity or flexibility around their their sexual orientation or sexual preferences or interests. So I guess it is possible. But I think— the the listener kind of has to prepare themselves for the possibility that that's not going to happen and that they that his boyfriend is kind of going to stay pretty top mm-hmm. and at that point it's well you're either going to have to live without without ha- playing that role or you're going to open it up or you have to find another boyfriend yeah, Which is kind of sad. You're going to have
1: to prioritize what's yeah. the most important to you in this exactly. relationship.
0: But I feel like to your point, people face this all the time, especially, yeah. especially people who don't necessarily full-on sexually engage before they enter into relationships or marriage. Mm. Yeah. You turn out and find out that, you know, your partner is really into BDSM and you aren't. And that's mm-hmm. never something that you had a conversation about. Right. So I think that even though this seems like a hyper-specific situation, it manifests in lots of ways throughout, you know queer straight culture
1: yeah and not to take away from the top either and say that he doesn't know what he wants but uh i think when it comes to bottoming there can be a lot of people who haven't really tried it Mm -hmm. haven't tried it the right way haven't gone slow enough or Mm -hmm. used enough lube or you know what i mean and so maybe in this case maybe the boyfriend could try Mm -hmm. it more and maybe they could make it work but it also could just be a deal breaker true all right the next question is short and sweet what's edging for women
2: it's the same thing that's edging for men <laughs> really, which is bringing yourself to the sort of the brink of an orgasm, but not actually having an orgasm, whether that's done alone while masturbating or with a partner, right so basically
1: here's a question though I have for you guys because I've never experienced this as i <laughs> you don't have a clitoris I don't have yeah. a clitoris, but women <laughs> <Sad for you. laughs> a lot it is sad for me a lot of women can have multiple orgasms, mm-hmm. so. What would be the advantage of edging instead of just having multiple orgasms? Like for me, I edge because once I have an orgasm, I'm pretty much done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I don't want to be done yet. But if you could have multiple ones, why wouldn't you just do that instead of edging? Or does it intensify? And,
2: and you can. And I think, you know, a lot of multi-orgasmic women will do that. But, you you know, the, the edging can certainly intensify mm-hmm. the that one orgasm that you have. And sometimes... Uh, So some women have the choice because they are multi-orgasmic. Some don't. So for the non-multi-orgasmic women, it's kind of the same argument as for the guys. Got it. They don't want to be done. Right. But even for the multi-orgasmic women, absolutely, you can— you know it, it, it it's a way to play with your arousal, mm-hmm. right? Um, build it up because the first orgasm is different from the subsequent ones or um, yeah, or you can certainly use that in a in a ds scenario where you're not allowed to come, right? Uh, and you're when you and your dominant, you know is sort of controlling your orgasm and mm-hmm. so they can they can force you to edge or something like that. So um, yeah. That
0: segues really nicely actually into our next question, which is, I'm a woman who is into light BDSM. I desperately want to be multi-orgasmic, but after my first orgasm, I get completely turned off like the lights go out. What's going wrong?
2: Nothing's wrong. You're perfectly normal. (laughs) (laughs) Again, all bodies are wired slightly differently. Mm -hmm. And we don't quite understand why exactly some women have the capacity to, to have these multiple orgasms and some don't. But there's certainly a a very large percentage of women who are uh, sort of one, one and done kind of thing. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But you might want to kind of work around that. So, you know, incorporate more edging. There you (laughs) go. And and orgasm control.
1: Here's another question I have. So, are all women, though, capable of multiple? orgasms? Is it like there's a door somewhere in the house that you haven't found? <laughs> you know what I mean? And like you could do it at some point, but you just haven't figured out how to do it? Or or like physiologically, do some women only have one orgasm? Again,
2: we really don't know. But what usually happens is after that uh, first orgasm, the, the whole area becomes really sensitive. Uh-huh. So kind of physiologically very sensitive, and uh, any additional stimulation, especially if it's very highly directed stimulation, is way too much. Got it. Um, But for some people, it might be more of a mental thing Mm. that they're just completely satisfied, and again, we don't quite understand why that is the case. What works for some people, for some women who tend to be more on the single orgasmic uh, side of things is especially if it's a it's a uh, kind of a, uh, oversensitivity issue is instead of continuing to provide very sp- specific sort of clit directed stimulation just kind of provide more m- more general broad kind of like full palm on the genital area or not even touch the genital area for a while but just kind of do other things mm-hmm. that might eventually after a while lead to yet another um, kind of build up uh, in an orgasm. Now with this particular caller, I, it might be more of a, a more of a mental thing because she says I get completely sort of turned off, mm-hmm. right? Like the lights go out. So the the type of stimulation provided might not be um, useful. But again, if if that doesn't work, it's perfectly normal mm-hmm. to just have one orgasm. Just yeah. work with it.
1: Just make it a great one. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> edge and. Play around, yeah, yeah, until it happens, until the explosion.
0: Or keep looking for that magic door hidden in the house. <laughs> yeah, if exactly. If you subscribe to Noah's ideology.
1: <laughs> it's like, you know, you push the book on the bookcase and, like, the door pops open, the hidden passage, and then you have just orgasms raining down on you. This is something I like to imagine. <laughs> um, here's our next question. I mean, you
2: can make the same argument for, for, for men. Maybe why Maybe why I, I need you to find it? my secret
1: door. Seriously, That's what's wrong true. with you? I just want, like— Some leftover Chinese food and to go to sleep. (laughs) I I don't want another orgasm. I just want to be done.
2: Exactly. And you don't feel broken because of that, right? You don't feel like there's something wrong with you because of that.
1: I feel very accomplished.
2: (laughs) Exactly. We did some good
1: work here and now we can go home. Exactly.
2: (laughs) We can get some Chinese food and go to sleep. (laughs) The project (laughs) is over.
1: Um, What about this one, you guys? I've heard a guy can break his penis. If there's no bone there, how do you break it? Is this just a lie? If it's real, what do I need to do not to ever break mine?
0: (laughs) This is a more serious
1: question. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a sad uh, question. But, okay, let's see. It's true. There is no bone there. (laughs) uh, But it is not a lie. You can break your penis. It is a very real thing, and it's a very unfortunate thing. But what – so technically it's not – Obviously, a bone that breaks. But what happens is the um, uh, sort of the the, the lining that uh, goes around the erectile tissue of the penis, right? The corpus cavernosa and um, the thing that kind of surrounds them that can tear. <laughs> and
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry for the, for the sound effect. effect. No. I know. I'm just <laughs> sitting here with like my legs crossed. Yeah, I was
2: like, oh no. <laughs> Yeah, and so when that tears, then um, fills with blood, and it kind of turns into this eggplant-type-looking uh, organ. And Permanently? It can, get per- it can become permanent if it's not surgically okay. fixed. So if it happens, it's going to be very painful. If it happens, you know, immediately go to the emergency room and get it fixed mm-hmm. because it can get fixed. It's, you know, it's going to take you know, probably a, f- a couple of months to— heal but it, it, it can get fixed but if you don't go to the emergency room, if if you just let it um, like that then don't be embarrassed, go to the doctor yes. yeah. that's the bottom line. It's an awkward you know, kind of conversation to have with the doctor but so worth it.
1: I was traumatized by this question so I did a little like googling <laughs> oh, yeah. and I found the Scientific American article about it and it was they said exactly everything you just okay. said but they also said you know They were saying, how common is this? Is it really rare? And the doctor they were talking to, he was at a hospital, I think, in Washington. He said he sees one to two of them a month.
2: Oh, wow. So it's not not that rare. rare.
1: So people, if you're having sex, just... You know, be careful.
0: Also, don't be shy because if it's not that rare, you're going to mm-hmm. go to the doctor all yes. freaked out. Chances and he's going to be like, yeah, no, that. get in line, buddy. <laughs> like, get in line.
1: But, yeah, they said get it repaired immediately. Yep. It takes about an hour, I guess, in surgery. And then they were saying, yeah, like a month or two before you can have sex yeah, again. again. Yeah, again. But, you
2: know, it's better than not having a, a well-functioning penis for the rest of your life. So <sighs> early interve- intervention is kind of critical in this case. Now, to the second portion, uh, what to do not to ever break yours. <laughs> well, I think the only uh, 100% uh, certain, you know, strategy for never breaking it is never to have sex. Right. However, I don't think that's an option for many people. So, <laughs> you know, be careful. Usually, um, that happens I think the most common position that that happens in is a woman on top, or yep. I guess you know whatever the the other partner on top, and um, uh, if it's kind of very vigorous and you miss the hole, right, and you end up hitting sort of the either the pubic bone or kind of that the perineum, the area between the anus and the um, and the vagina, or you know the, the anus and the other penis, whatever it is that you're having sex with, but. Right. Basically, that's when it happens. So, very vigorous activity where you don't have good control over can,
1: you know. I I feel like I need someone fanning me (laughs) and I need, like, a a stiff drink and I don't drink really. It's just, like, it's so too much. i also I picture, too, like, if this happens, like— a trapeze being involved and, in, like, craziness. <laughs> but it's not. It can just be from rigorous sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Just it's missing the hole. But it, it, anything that will lead to bending, right? right? A very, very quick, very sudden um, and like intense snap, bend. No, yeah, like snap. Oh, that was mm-hmm. the
1: other thing in the Scientific American right. article. They you, you said you hear, hear a pop. Yep. You usually hear yep. a pop. Yep. Karina, I think let's just go on to the next question.
2: Okay. <laughs> no, so <some> traumatized by <laughs>
0: Now that we're done talking about breaking penises, we thought it was a good opportunity to take a little break of our own to remind you how awesomely fantastic it would be if you would subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast app happens to be.
1: Exactly. The more action we get on iTunes, the higher our show climbs in the rankings, which is important because not only does it spread sex positivity… It also makes people more aware of the fact that you can actually snap your penis.
0: Yet another reason it's better to have a clitoris, in my personal opinion. But if you have a question of your own you need answered, please shoot us an email at loveinfectspodcast at com.
1: Now let's get back to the questions.
0: Next up. I identify as gay and have all my life. However, the older I get, the more open and interested I am in having sex with a woman. I have never had sex with a woman. I feel that gay men are only allowed to have sex with women while they are still discovering themselves. And once they've accepted their sexuality, they are not allowed to go back. So how can I approach a woman? Do I need to tell her that I identify as gay? I've broached the topic with my straight female friends, and they all seem uninterested if not disgusted by the idea of having sex with a man who's had sex with a man. Is it offensive that technically she is an experiment? What happens if I am unable to perform if and when the time comes?
2: Oh wow! So a lot I of love questions. this question. Yeah, but, yeah, it's really good. There's so
1: many things going on here.
2: <laughs> um, Where to begin? I know. So, yes. In, yes to the, you know, there seems to be this very kind of rigid understanding of when people are, are allowed to, um, you know, especially men, uh, when they're allowed to experiment with their sexuality, especially when it comes to sexual orientation. We do come from a very binary way of, of thinking about you're, you're either gay or straight, especially when it comes to, to men and there's nothing in between. And there are a lot of people who uh, subscribe to those types of stereotypes. so I'm not surprised that, you know, a lot of uh, your female friends kind of uh, straight female friends were like, yeah, no, because it is often something that we don't really accept in our culture. That said, there is plenty of evidence surfacing in the last five to 10 years that there are so many people who are not 100 percent either or. There are many people who are mostly, you know, heterosexual or mostly gay, but um, there is a little bit of interest or a little bit of attraction, a little bit of, you know, some sort of desire or fantasy uh, or perhaps occasional behavior with whatever their non-preferred sex is. So a lot of people who are mostly straight, you know, on the on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, and, and a lot of people who are mostly gay, but— um, Oftentimes, especially in, in in previous generations, that they felt like, okay, well, I have to be, you know, completely gay. Now that I've gone through all this, you know, uh, work and and effort to identify as gay, to come out, to fight for my right to be gay, now I can't go back, right? Kind of thing. But that's really limiting, and it's really sad. I think that we should all feel, you know, to experiment and and explore our sexuality in whatever way we feel is authentic to us. And it's pretty common to have this kind of um, desire kind of, uh, you know, occur seemingly maybe out of nowhere at a later point in time. Um, so I would say go ahead and do it and find mm-hmm. someone who's going to be okay with that. Uh, I think some women will be offended if they feel like they're an experiment, but I think there's a lot of women out there who wouldn't.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, might even be honored. Yeah, right. be
2: like, oh yeah, I'd love to. I don't
0: think you have to, like, qualify it as an experiment right. either. You know, right. I mean, those are obviously the writers or the person who wrote in words. But well, I wouldn't approach a woman and be like, hey, I want to experiment <laughs> on you with my penis <laughs> and my <laughs> right. sexuality. Like, I'd be like, I want to explore, explore. my sexuality. Exactly. You yeah. know, like, a lot of it comes down to... The language, I think.
1: So I thought about this myself personally because I think I am 115% gay. <laughs> like I don't have any interest in women. I never have. My earliest memories are of wanting. He, he men. won't even cuddle with me. I won't even cuddle oh, with God. Karina. <laughs> That's so mean. I've been working on that though. He even <laughs> says
0: hateful things when he had to do it for a photo shoot. He's <laughs> oh like, "This is the most disgusting experience of my life." <sighs> I don't know you give good
2: hugs to women,
1: though. I love women. I just i. So a couple of things I thought about when I thought about doing it. One, I was like, I would never want to do this with a friend because Mm -hmm. I think that would be too too awkward. So I was thinking about like, oh, would I, you know, would I hire an escort or would I go on like Craigslist and like find someone that way? And like that didn't seem like an awful idea to me. Like I think someone who knows exactly why I was going to do it and what I was in for. And like you could it's almost like a partnership that we both know what we're getting out of it.
0: I think you need to bridge the gap, though, because you just said you were 115% straight, but you're exploring
1: this. 115% gay.
0: I'm sorry, 115% (laughs) gay. And I considered
1: exploring it, but I I think now that I probably won't because I don't know. It's weird to to have something out there in the world that I haven't done, but at the same time, there's a reason why I haven't done it. And that brings me to my second part and something that he asked about as well, our listener, where he said – what if I'm unable to perform mm-hmm. when the time comes? And that's the other thing is that like I just think I'm wired. I think without some kind of, you know, medical assistance, <laughs> or I'm probably not
2: geographic assistance. Yeah, I'm not
1: gonna get hard and I'm not gonna stay mm-hmm. hard. So
2: And that's that's possible. But you know, you're, you're 100% gay or that's what you feel like. And he seems like, right. you know, there is some attraction there and there is some interest. So that's different. And you know what? If you don't perform, you don't perform. Exactly. You know, how often it happens that you don't perform with people that Normally. you are your, you know, typical, you know,
1: partner. partner
2: that you are sort of typically attracted to and uh, involved with. So it, is it a possibility? Sure. But. It's not the end of the world, and that's another. I think it's worth
1: it. Yeah, yeah. It's another reason why it might help though too to to let them in on what's going on. So if you aren't performing, you can say, "Well, we thought this might happen," mm-hmm. or you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And I think the more open and honest you can be about this experience, the better it's going to be for everybody. Yeah. So I think I mean, it, it,
2: and how you approach it depends on your personality. So some people might find it better to to do it in that container of you know going on craigslist with this very specific request or going to a professional with you know this very kind of specific request and you know maybe maybe in this listener's life maybe for him it would be more interesting to hook up with someone he actually does know mm-hmm. in real life who's he, who he's found attractive. And um, I would probably let them know. I mean, again, it depends on what the situation is. I might let them know uh, about that or I might tell them that I'm not very experienced mm-hmm. with women in general, that they need to take it easy with me or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, But I would certainly, if there's no potential for a long-term relationship, I would probably want to make that clear. So not promise them, you know long-term love when you're looking for for some sort of casual type experience but yeah I think framing it as exploration of your sexuality is, is totally legit I yeah. mean it's, it's a great thing to do and there are people who and just want want that kind of relationship
1: also you know you're never too old to try something especially yeah. if it's something that you've been thinking a lot about like why I don't think you should withhold that from yourself just because mm-hmm. you're worried about what people are gonna think or or you feel like you've missed some kind of cutoff point.
2: Again, find a sex-positive community. Yep. You know, there are women in sex-positive communities who will not take it, you know, hold it against you that you are mostly gay or bi that you've had sex with a man.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, This next question, this one is, I don't know, I felt bad after I read this one. I have type 1 diabetes and I wear an insulin pump. This device is very similar to a pager and it connects to my stomach similarly to a Band-Aid. I'm writing because I recently had an incident with a guy I was messing around with. I've never considered my condition a disability, but he did. Before we started getting serious, I mentioned my pump because I usually keep it in my bra, and I wanted to give him a heads up. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, he was not impressed. He actually started dry heaving because he was so disgusted by my condition, and then he ran out of the apartment. I have spoken to many of my friends about this experience, and they all assured me that it was just him being off, but was any of this my fault? When is the proper time to bring up something like this? Was my description about my condition not clear? I would like to hear or discuss more on this topic as it's been bothering me ever since the event, as it should.
2: Yeah. What
1: a jerk. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's Seriously. all I can think It's what an ass.
1: Yeah. It doesn't sound like you did anything wrong. No.
2: In fact, it sounds like you did everything right. Yeah. You gave him a heads up and it doesn't seem like... A disability, a particular disability to me, and even if it was, I mean,
1: anyone who dry heaves <laughs> at any moment is just an <laughs> asshole and needs to go.
2: Also, over, over I think, something like this, yeah. it seems like
0: you're so confident and mm-hmm. comfortable with right. this device, and I would hate for one douche to yeah. change that for you yeah. because there's absolutely no reason to let the way that one person behaves based on whatever issues that they, they have, have. Yeah. inform the way that you're going to feel about your body and whatever quirks or eccentricities might come with it.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's – oh, my God. What an asshole. And I,
1: I, feel <laughs> like, I also feel like she did tell him at the right time. It <laughs> sounds like she did it, you know, after they'd been hanging out for a little bit but before they actually hooked up. And that seems like a very appropriate time to bring that up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I wouldn't do anything different. No. I would just, you know, uh, <laughs> think of this as his – issue and his problem and again even if that is something that bothered him in some way the reaction of dry heaving and then running out of the apartment that's just rude yeah like okay if that's not your cup of tea cup of tea okay fine but there's a there's a much better way to communicate that right with with a person um so uh, you know is it possible that she'll meet someone else in her life for whom that will be a problem it's possible but We all have, you know, something about what we look like or what we act like that someone is not going to find
1: attractive. Mm -hmm. So – but, yeah,
2: there's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with what you did.
1: Yeah. There's a bad apple out there all the time. You know, you just run into them once in a while.
2: You're fine.
0: You're awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Be our friend. (laughs) Uh As always, thank you to Dr. Jana for joining us today and helping lend insight to some of our fantastic listeners'
2: questions. Thanks for having me. Yay!
1: (laughs) That's it for this week's episode of Love and Sex.
2: Which
0: actually coincides with a sad ending, but also a new chapter for our podcast.
1: Yeah. Our amazing producer, who's been with us since we started this podcast in a closet, is abandoning us.
0: A.K.A. taking an awesome new job elsewhere.
1: Woo-hoo! So before we sign off from the episode, we wanted to bring Caitlin Baguki, our producer, on and get a sense of what she's learned from sharing in our sexually charged antics over the last year and a half.
0: So without further ado or tears, Caitlin, what will you take away from this wild ride? Well, I've learned a lot.
3: And even in this last episode, I had no idea you could break your penis. Yep. <laughs> I've learned a lot of things that really surprised me. But I think the thing that I'm going to take away is what Jana said about dating your own species. And I just, I love that. And I think, you know, date your own species, be friends with your own species. And we've met so many people that feel like they're strange or alone or into something weird. But I, I really do think like... There's, a, there's something for everyone, and, and I just love that we've been able to sort of connect with those people and explore things that bring people together as maybe outside of the norm, as they might be considered.
1: I agree 100%, and it's been an absolute honor and privilege to work with you as our producer.
3: We could not have done it without you. I've loved working with you guys. You're the best, and I can't wait to keep listening.
0: We also want to
1: thank our guest, Dr. Jana, for helping us out, and also to Caitlin for producing the episode, and our editor, Nick Offenberg. If you have
0: a question for us or a story you'd like us to investigate on a future episode, please send us an email, loveandsexpodcast at huffingtonpost.com. You can also find us on Twitter at HuffPostPodcast.
1: We'll be back with another episode soon. Caitlin, take it from here.
0: Bye. No, swear, it's, it's more like, <laughs> bye. Bye. <Like, laughs> bye. Like, really, really put something in. I don't know if I...